It's May 7th, 2021, and this is episode 290. You are invited to join me and my dear friend and longtime co-host, Kelly Gordon, as we have a very timely conversation about what a lot of us are feeling as we begin to see the light at the end of the tunnel of this pandemic and quarantined year. We want to talk about what we're thinking about, what we're feeling, and I have a feeling that what we're thinking and feeling is what you're thinking and feeling too. So you guys, let's see if we can figure this out together. I'm Meg Teets, and this is Sorta Awesome. Welcome back, awesomes, to the show that is all about helping you find conversation, friendship, and community. We hope you know that you have found your way to the most awesome community of women that exists on the internet anywhere right now. You can find our community all over the place on YouTube and TikTok, Facebook, Instagram. Basically, if amazing women are gathering there, you can find Sorta Awesome there too. So Kelly, first of all, hello. I am so glad that you're here with us this week. I'm so glad that you're up for this conversation because as you can imagine, and as you live in your everyday life producing public radio, this is like you're in the trenches of this conversation. Thank you for bringing it to us on Sort of Awesome. Absolutely. It's really just something that I'm thinking about all the time because of my work. But honestly, I was saying this to my 10-year-old this morning as I was driving him to school. I love the fact that in my job, I get to investigate all these different things because I'm a little bit of a science nerd at heart. And so even though the pandemic has been absolutely gut-wrenching and horrible, it's also been fascinating for somebody who likes to learn. I feel like it's so interesting to get to talk to all of these great epidemiologists, virologists, vaccinologists. We get to talk to them and ask them questions. I get to do all this research. So yeah, this is just something I'm thinking about and I'm talking about with my friends. So of course, I'm going to come here and talk about it with my awesome friends as well. Yes, thank you. We are going to talk today, you guys. Just This is going to be one of those shows where Kelly and I are just kind of processing together. Again, because Kelly, as she was just saying, this is where she's been living genuinely for the past over a year now. She's got some great information for us, some helpful tips, but that we're really just going to be kind of processing through this together. And we want you guys to be in on that as well. So we've got a lot to get to here in just a few minutes. But first, we'll start things off a little bit more light, a little more fun, the way we always do with our awesomes of the week. Of course, the moment in the show where we stop and talk about whatever is making life a little more awesome right now, whether it is a book or a TV show, a movie, podcast, product, whatever's bringing a little gold sparkly to our lives. Kelly, what do you have for us this week? I have a podcast, but specifically a little series, a little burst of episodes within a podcast. So Meg, have you ever listened to Kelly Corrigan Wonders? No, I don't think I have. It's a fairly new podcast by Kelly Corrigan, who is a writer and a beloved columnist. Many people probably know her. I was not familiar with her work, but this was actually a recommendation that I found in the awesome hangout on Facebook. Yes. Somebody said, you guys, you need to go listen to this little series that she did, How to Make the Most of Family Life. So it's just five episodes. And in each episode, she's talking to two Annas, Anna Quindlin another author and thinker whom a lot of people probably know, and Anna Sale, who is the host of the very popular Death, Sex and Money podcast. Yeah. So it's three women and they talk about these, I want to say just really real topics when it comes to family life, like misunderstanding, how things change, grief, forgiveness, power of letting go, and then things that they're still working on. What they each did is they each bring 
a piece of writing that they have done on this topic. So they take turns reading their writing, reading their essay or a shortened version of it, and then they discuss. And you Mm. guys, it is such great conversation. I mean, these are smart, real, experienced, funny women who are like, let's talk about the real thing. The other cool thing is that they are in three different stages of life. So Anna Sale has young children, little kids. Kelly Corrigan has teenagers. And Anna Quinlan is an empty nester. So they're coming at all of these ideas. How do family roles change? How did I see myself before I was a mother, when I was a mother, and now when I have adult children? They all bring their own perspective. And it's just so good. I don't think here's the thing, too, that you have to be a mother to appreciate these. You know, here it is, Mother's Day weekend. If you're in a family and you have a role within that family, even a family that you have chosen, Mm. family of friends, this is really just about life. It's about relationships. So you don't have to be a mom. You don't have to have a good relationship with your mom to make you feel like this is for you. You're going to get something out of this. So it's just five episodes. And really what it's done is I started there with those five episodes, this How to Make the Most of Family Life podcast overall. She does a lot of these little mini series. She's a great interviewer. And now I'm reading all of her books, which is how it goes, right? Yes, I know the names and I have experienced the work of all three of those women that you mentioned. And so I can only just imagine that this is really powerful, both storytelling and also, like you said, just kind of what we're doing today, kind of figuring some things out together through conversation. So that sounds amazing. I'm going to have to go check it out for sure. Yeah, it's called How to Make the Most of Family Life. So I don't know if you just look for Kelly Gorgon Wonders in your podcast app. You're going to just scroll down a little bit. It's been here in 2021 that she did it. So it's not too far back, but you could also, we'll put a link in the show notes to her website where you can check it out. Okay. Well, Kelly, my Awesome of the Week this week is also a recommendation from an awesome near and dear to all of our hearts because she is our social media director, Lori Lynn Tucker. She went out of her way to tell us in our Slack conversations, you guys have got to read this book called The X Talk. I just finished it. I'm so excited you're talking about it. Yes. Oh, good. Well, tell me. Tell us all. Okay. Well, here's the thing, Kelly. I never do this, but I'm halfway through it, but I couldn't wait. I didn't know you had actually started it yet. So I was going to be so excited to tell you about this. Well, and then no. you're like, we know, girl, I did it. I read it. Yes. <laughs> this was my break. You guys, it's a great book. So I want you to tell the awesomes about it. But I think that I just okay. consumed it so fast because it's such yes. a fun read. And it was a break from, yes. you know, the seriousness of life. But right. Like, tell everybody about it. Okay. So this book is called The X Talk, like E-X, your X. So The X Talk is by Rachel Lynn Solomon. It is her debut. It is a romantic comedy. Lori Lynn was like, you guys have got to read this book. It is going to be straight up the alley for all of you because the context for this story, we follow our protagonist, Shay Goldstein. She's a producer at Seattle Public Radio. Later, you and I will have to talk about the portrayal of behind the scenes public radio life. Was it accurate? Or did you see all the things that were happening? Really oddly accurate. The first few chapters, especially where she's really just kind of describing, you're setting the scene, right? This is what she does for a living. I was like, this is weird to read about my regular life, except there's not as much sexual tension, I would say. (laughs) (laughs) There's not as many forearms and tall men (laughs) coming out of studios, but everything else, what she does, And the stress of it and the way people swear behind the scenes. And yes, yes, it's very accurate. 
I love hearing that so much. Okay, so I just love this setup here because, again, Shay works in public radio. She's a producer. However, it's been her lifelong dream to be on air. She has a sort of frenemy, heavier at the beginning on the enemy part, in a young man named Dominic Yoon, who is fresh out of his master's work in journalism, which he is quick to remind everybody of. He's the rising star at the station. She's feeling some jealousy. But then as happens, and I know this has happened in real life for you, working in public radio, the station has to do some layoffs. They have to change up programming. People are losing their jobs. And so Shay comes up with this idea that they could create a show that would be a weekly show that would also run as a podcast, as many public radio shows do. And the concept would be the X Talk, where two exes talk about what went wrong in the relationship and then bring in experts to talk about relationship stuff. Well, that's a great concept for a show. And their station manager is like, you know what? You two, Shay and Dominic, should do this show together. The only tricky thing is they never dated, but they do. They decide to do this show together with under the conceit of having dated. And now they're talking about their time together in the relationship. So that is where the action takes off from Sparks Fly. Like I said, I am halfway through it, but I couldn't wait to tell you guys about it. It's going to be such a fun read if you haven't picked it up yet. I love so much about this book. I think that Rachel Lynn Solomon is a great writer in terms of really bringing you into the moment. She does a fantastic job of developing the side cast of characters that have so much diversity. There's so many different elements where you're going to recognize people in your life that are like this and like that. She brings in racial diversity, orientation diversity, all kinds of things, but she just works it in so seamlessly into these side characters around Dominic and Shay. And if you saw me in real life in the past week, driving around town, walking in my neighborhood, you would have seen me with this dopey grin on my face because I've just been having so much fun with Shay and Dominic's story in the X Talk. I'm loving it so much. And I'm so excited to know that you've already read it. Kelly, yes. we're gonna have to talk later. Right. For sure. Well, and here's the thing that I think that we should say, because I don't read many, would you call this a romance? Or it's like a rom-com? Yeah, it's being marketed as a rom-com. Okay, but it's also, I would say, open door. I don't know that you have gotten yes. to any of those parts yet, but just to let people know, I yep. only know that term because if you and Rebecca, <laughs> it's awesome spring to my life. Yeah, I think that's why Lori Lynn was like, Rebecca, I think you were like this. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I haven't. I wasn't, I wouldn't say I, I didn't know that necessarily. I wasn't prepared, but at the same time, I yeah. was like, oh, oh. Yes. Just so well, you know. I haven't gotten there yet, but I was just reading some Goodreads reviews and people have mentioned the steamy sex scenes. So I was anticipating that it's going to get open door eventually. So. But I mean, that's not a reason to read it or not to read it necessarily. Yeah. Like, it's just something to just know. know. The yeah. story itself, it's just fun. It's just a fun story. I yeah. think a lot of, again, I relate to Shay because of what she does. Like right. in her job, the job descriptions, especially at the beginning before things switch off and she's into this new show, The X Talk, um, that felt familiar to me. There's a lot of other things about public radio that didn't seem so familiar later in the book. But at the same time, it's just a fun story. And if you just need a break, it's a great break. Yeah. Did you read it or do audio? I read it. Okay. I've been doing the audiobook. So I'm here to tell you the narrator is fantastic. She has this whole cast of characters, voices. She's amazing. So I highly recommend if you're an audiobook person, check it out on audio too. So that's X Talk by Rachel Lynn Solomon. So those are our awesomes of the week this week. We would love to hear what's awesome in your life because as Kelly said, we find so much that we bring into our lives that truly make our lives better 
because of the awesomes. So if you haven't found us on Instagram, come find us over there. We have so many fun things going on on Instagram in stories, in our main feed, on reels. We have so much going on over there. If you haven't joined us, come over to at Sorta Awesome Show. And then, of course, come to our Hangout on Facebook, where it is the heart of our community. We are always giving recommendations, giving advice, commiserating with each other about the realities of life. You can find us really easily on Facebook at facebook.com slash group slash Sorta Awesome Hangout. We have a lot to talk about today, about what it looks like as we come to the end hopefully crossing all of our fingers and toes, the end of the pandemic. And we're going to get to that when we come right back. Okay, Kelly, again, I know I've said this a few times, but I just think it bears repeating that this is not something that you've just sort of casually interacted with. (laughs) As a news producer for public radio for a morning news show, you have definitely, not just now, but from the beginning, you've really been on the heartbeat of what's going on with the COVID-19 pandemic, the quarantine it's been experienced in the United States, but also globally. And so this is just such a timely conversation that a lot of people are having because here it is. It's the beginning of May. You guys were almost halfway through 2021. How? So why don't you kind of kick off the conversation? Where should we even start processing this question? How do we get back to normal? What does it look like? Right. So this is just where I always start. Maybe it's just how my brain works, but I kind of want to just start with a lay of the land. Let's start with the science. Let's just stop and use all of our senses and look around. Where are we right now? So here's the thing that I want to start off with, and I think it's a good place to start. Hopefully, I know a lot of us are feeling anxiety and we'll get into some of that, but hopefully this will be a word that we can take with us. And it is to be encouraged. Okay. okay? Thank you. If you yes. feel that baby flame of hope flickering in your heart and you're scared that it's there, I think that it has reason to be there. You can blow on it. You can warm your hands around it. Oh, good. So Jennifer Nuzzo is one of my favorite epidemiologists, and she's quoted widely. She's been on our show, I don't even know, so many times. She's at Johns Hopkins. She was saying, if we keep going the way we are going right now this spring, we will have a mostly normal summer. Oh, my gosh. This is exciting news. It's exciting. And I think that we're all seeing that to varying degrees, depending on where you are in the U.S., in Canada. In the UK, everybody's, of course, globally, in fact, we're doing some shows about that. India is suffering right now. South and Central America are suffering right now. Israel has vaccinated so many people, they're basically done. Um, You know, New Zealand has been super, done a great job of containing. And so they're not living the same life that a lot of us have been this last year. But I think here in the US, the CDC recently said no more masks outside, even if you're not vaccinated. Yeah. We do see the vaccination rates continue to go up. At this point in the U.S., in most places, if you are an adult or 16 and up and you want a Mm -hmm. vaccine, you can get one. In fact, I think that most Austin's probably know that I got fully vaccinated in February and March. I was done by the end Mm -hmm. of March, you know, by two weeks past the second shot, Team Pfizer here, because of my mom and her living facilities. And you also are, what, halfway there? So by the time this show airs, I will have gotten my second dose of Pfizer. And so I'll be in that sort of two-week wait after that for full immunity. But yes, that is where we are. Both my 16-year-old, Daisy and I decided to go ahead and get Pfizer. And so we're on our way in our family too. Right. Yeah. And in fact, that's the cool thing is that both of my teenagers are one shot at the time of this taping. And my husband, he got into the Johnson & Johnson the day before they put the pause on it. So he's fully vaccinated. So this is happening. It's happening in a lot of places. Those Mm -hmm. vaccinations work. There's another 
I don't think she's an epidemiologist. She's a doctor and a master's in public health. Her name is Monica Gandhi, and she's in San Francisco. She is really saying we need to be optimistic about these vaccines. These vaccines work. The reason that we are starting to see all across the U.S., even in places who had a little bit of a surge, like Michigan, like Minnesota, here in the spring, their cases are going down everywhere. And that's because the vaccination. So this is good. As this continues to happen, Jennifer Nuzzo anticipates that the CDC will continue to ease restrictions. The closer we get towards herd immunity, the more we want to say, hey, this is a good thing. We're really getting there. Here's something. I listened to a podcast recently called Social Distance. It's a podcast done by The Atlantic. It's all about the pandemic. It's kind of fun. It's not super serious, but yet they're taking, you know, these things that we talk about. I have this question or here's something. And they were saying, here's what we know at this point in the science. COVID-19 is an inside talking disease. Okay. That is how it is passed. We did not okay. know that last spring. This time last right. year, many of us were still wiping down our groceries. People were yes. scared to bring in their deliveries. Mm-hmm. We don't really need to be wiping things down anymore. It does not live very long on a surface. It does not transmit very well on a surface. That yes. is not the way. We can be with our friend walking on a path, even both not vaccinated because of the outside air ventilation. We are not going to be very likely to pass COVID if we have it or are asymptomatic. This is an inside talking disease. So that's what we need to still be a little bit wary of. Everything else, we know better science. People are getting vaccinated. We have better things. So it's good news. I think this is the thing. Of course, some areas will reach herd immunity before others. This is going to end gradually. I think that one of the things that maybe we want, but we're not going to get is this. It started, boom. There was this little bit of a buildup. Yep. I remember when the NBA canceled games Mm -hmm. and I was like, oh, this is getting real. And then within 14 days, everything was done. The whole country was shut down. Yes. Within two weeks time, you're absolutely right. In March of 2020, life got turned completely upside down. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think it would be cool. I don't think it's going to happen this way though, but if it went that again, we reached June and they said, burn the masks. Everybody have a party. (laughs) Drink with your friends. Kiss them on the mouth. That's not going to happen. It's going to be not a light switch. It's going to be a very gradual end. So just know that. As we go into summer, I do think it'll get more and more normal, although we can talk about what that means. I think it's fine to have hope, but it is going to be this kind of gradual. And we may even see who knows what happens next fall and winter, depending on what our vaccination rate is across the U.S. But I think that the immediate kind of as we're here in May, looking toward the summer, be encouraged. The news is good. Yes. So here's a question that I have for you, Mike. Yes. What is that moment? I would love to hear from the awesomes too in the hangout. What is that moment when you feel like this is just your own marker? This thing happens and that's when I will feel like this is truly over. I think for me, just visually, experientially, when we can burn the masks, Mm -hmm. when we can be fully mask-free, to me would be the big marker this is behind us even the people who are the most vulnerable, that we've been wearing masks to really protect lives. And then we can say, now the most vulnerable are so well protected from this disease that nobody needs a mask anymore. I mean, Kelly, this morning, even this morning, we've been doing masks for a year. I had to go back to my car. I was running an errand, had to go back and get my mask. I was like, dad, give it, dad, give it. When have I been doing this for a year? It still feels so unnatural to get the mask. I mean, I do it for sure. And I have been for a year, but just to me, that's still the most completely abnormal because in Oklahoma, we've been on a gradual re-entry 
My girls are back in school four days a week. So I'm back doing my drop off and my pickup that I was doing before quarantine began. So that has been like, okay, that feels normal. We got to go back to mass last August, I feel like. So we've weekly, we've had definitely things. Oh, here was an interesting thing. So right before, okay, so it's hard to remember these timelines, but last March, before the quarantine began, but as news about COVID started ramping up, some things changed at mass, including they took the holy water out of the fountain at the back that we'd use to cross ourselves as we go in for mass. Last Sunday, we went back, holy water back in the holy water fountain. And I was like, oh my gosh, we're, we're coming back, right? It's happening. And so there's been little signs along the way here in Oklahoma, we're getting there. And so we've been on this, like you said, this sort of slow ease back into it. But I do think that when we can finally say, unless you just like wearing a mask, which I know there are people out there that are like, hey, I didn't get the flu this year. I didn't get strep. I didn't even catch a common cold. I'm digging the mask situation. Because if you're one of those people, more power to you. But for me, to just be able to have the freedom to be able to see the faces, the full faces of Nico's teachers at his daycare school. That will feel so great. And think about little Nico's about to turn two and like half of his life has been with adults that are masked and all of these things. So yeah, so the, to me, masks are the big thing. I guess that was a lot of words to no, say something I'm very simple. I mean, I, that's the marker for me too. I feel yeah. to see other people's faces. I am yeah. pretty used to wearing a mask. I do grab it. I keep one on my car. So that's if I'm wearing it out, then it's always there. I'm pretty yeah. used to it. But I think that the moment that I can see other people, so it's not so much about me wearing the mask. It's about seeing visually the people around me when Mm -hmm. I go into Trader Joe's or something like that to see those masks be gone. And even Mm -hmm. maybe another thing that I've gotten used to, but when I stop and look is jarring, is all of the plexiglass barriers that are everywhere. Yes. Get stores Mm -hmm. to see those come down. I think Mm -hmm. I'm going to get emotional. Yes. I think that the first time I walk into Trader Joe's and can see the team members without masks, I'm probably going to tear up. And I have not teared up much about a lot of things in during the pandemic because we're all just dealing. I think that Mm -hmm. that's going to be a marker for me. So I'll be curious. We'll have to ask and hang out what other people, if it's maybe having your kids be able to go to homecoming in the fall, you know, something that with school, have your kids go back to school. Maybe your kids haven't gotten to go back to school. There's lots of different things. I would love to hear what it is for people, but okay. So that's where we are. The question that we really wanted to talk about here, what we're processing is how do we feel about this moment in time? I think that a year ago, if we had said at the moment when the pandemic is over, we'll put aside the fact that it would take us a whole year or more to get there because that might've clued us in. But if we just said, would it be over? How will you feel? We'd be like, oh, just relief. I just want to go back to normal. I just want to spring back, right? Yeah. And now we have been stretched out like a rubber band and we all know we're not going to just spring back. Exactly. Yeah. So as I think about definitely relief, but also it's even hard for me to identify some specific feelings because the main feeling, if if you could even call it that comes to the surface as I think about this, is just exhaustion. Just so tired and... Again, with the gradual reentry, I think I'm kind of finding some energy surging again, which feels great. But as I think about it, that's one of the main things that comes to mind. Also, I do know that there is still sadness to process for me. My kids are still processing sadness. Daisy 
was supposed to go last April to New York City and play on the stage of Carnegie Hall. That's a trip that obviously got canceled. And that she, even to this day, has kind of little flares of grief and sadness over that. Mom, that was going to be so huge. And am I ever going to get that chance again? And so allowing those moments of sadness, because you're in Enneagram 7, I'm in Enneagram 9, we can be prone to just being like, oh, don't worry about the bad feelings and the sad. (laughs) Let's just focus on the good. Look, it's almost over. Let's get back into it. So for me, being intentional, creating space for myself and for my family and my friends to let those feelings come up, even if it is sadness and grief, regret, all of these things. I think I need to be careful not to hurry that. That's kind of where I am in processing that. Yeah, that's really good. I think that I would add to that, that I'm not exactly sure what the right word is either, but I'm scared. Here's the Mm. thing is I sense that exhaustion. I'm scared I'm going to fall apart. I don't know if I've said it on the podcast or if I've said it on something that was just for our superstars, our Patreon members, but I have this sense that I have been in a centrifuge, Mm -hmm. you know, like we're just, and that centrifugal force has been what's been holding me together. And so as it slows, I feel Mm. like I'm in pieces and I'm going to fall apart. Yeah. And so I don't really like that Mm -hmm. idea or the feeling or the anticipation of I think there's something within my body or my mind-body connection that's just going, hey, girl, hey, mm-hmm. break down ahead. <laughs> right. I even said to a friend of mine who's a therapist, I was like, I was just wondering if I could have a controlled breakdown. <laughs> How could I anticipate this? And she's like, oh, Kelly, such an Enneagram 7 <laughs> thing to say. <laughs> I will. I'll deal with my feelings. I'll give it this much yeah. right here. <laughs> How can I control this? How can I make it so that it's all fits within my paradigm? So I'm... Yeah, I think scared, scared of what will happen. I'm so glad you said that. You're scared in terms of, you know, what's been churning inside you in in anticipation of having a fall apart. But also speaking of fear for my kids, my teens, it has surprised me how fearful they have been about being around people again. I think that we spent so long being on such high alert, not being able to hug our parents, our grandparents not being able to share meals with people. I think that it's very normal that there are going to be people that are literally, it's one thing to rationally be, but the science says this, statistics are saying this, facts and figures are saying this, but on a more holistic level, when you've been in that tension, that panic, that fear mode for a year, you can't just turn, like you said, it's not just a light switch that you can flip on and off and just be like, well, I'm not ever going to be afraid of COVID again. I'm never going to be afraid of being in a crowd again. I think I mentioned this at some point. Again, we have so many conversations. I never can remember. Was this on Sorta Awesome? Was this for Awesome Overflow? But we went to the zoo over spring break. Me and four of our five kids, Nico didn't go with us on that trip, but we were super excited to be there. And we got there and my girls were freaked out. But this was when they still said, wear masks basically everywhere. Most people were masked, even though we were outside. And my girls were freaked all the way out about how many people were there and the germs and the spread and all of this stuff. So I'm so glad that you said the word scared, because I think that is going to be such a reality that people are navigating too. Yes, absolutely. And I do think that when we have been, either because we have our own people in our family or ourselves are compromised, the idea that proximity to other humans could kill them or us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's not a small thing. Exactly. Yes. Taking that seriously, of course, 
it's going to be a whole process. And I haven't really thought about it, Meg, until you said it, but we could do a whole show. Maybe we'll do something like a side and extra awesome or something just for how do we parent our teens in this? Because I think that generation, these Gen Zs that have been living this, to us who have lived 30, 40 years, it's okay, we can kind of put it a little bit in perspective, but this has been Mm -hmm. a bigger chunk of their life. Mm -hmm. And a time that is important for them to be making friends and to building these relationships. And it's been such a switch that I think that it's going to be interesting. It will be difficult. I think it's going to require a lot of work for many of them to learn how to be with people again. Yes. When already this is a generation that because of online stuff, they're not already inclined to be with people. So this just Mm -hmm. ramps it up. So, okay, here's what I'd like to do. I have broken it up and I have shared these with Meg. So kind Mm -hmm. of, let's say tips or for reentry tips. This is really where it is. And just some ideas about how we're feeling, I think all of us, and then maybe some ideas of what we could do. So let's just start with what we're talking about, which is that Mm -hmm. everyone is anxious. Yes. Yes. I read just this week, a recent article that came in in Vox. It was so good. And it talks about, there are really two types of anxiety that are triggering um, most of us. And one of them is what we were just talking about. It is just a really basic social anxiety for people who are like, I've forgotten how to talk to people. (laughs) Yes, literally. How do social human interactions work? Yeah. Can't remember. Been too long. Exactly. What do I say when I go back to the office? (laughs) Well, that was a year. I mean, people are like, if you already feel some social anxiety, this is like taking it on steroids, right? Because now you're like, oh my word, how do we talk? What do we say? What are the safe things to say? I don't even know how do people dress anymore? Do I want to even go to the club? There's just a lot of social anxiety that's normal for this. Yes. How do we go into this? But the other kind of anxiety that I identified was going back to our lives the way they used to be. Yeah. That for a lot of us, there's stuff that we have now identified that we don't really want or we like it better this way. And so now we've had this time to go, oh, wait, but I don't, I don't want all that back. Yeah. And so there's this anxiety about everybody saying, let's get back to normal. Let's get back to normal. And there's very few of us that want to just snap back to exactly how we were in February of 2020. Yes. I didn't even think about that, but that is so true. There are relationship dynamics have changed. Definitely some that have felt the pain and strain of it. But then on the other end of that, there have been dynamics where it's, oh, I was clinging on to this thing and I didn't realize until I didn't have to do it, whether it was a relationship or a commitment you'd made, an obligation. I didn't realize how much it was draining me. And now you're telling me I got to do this thing again. Exactly. That is very anxiety provoking for sure. I hadn't even thought about it that way. Right. So here's a quote that I pulled from the article. It just says, we've reevaluated what's important in our lives, not constant Mm. productivity, but family and community. I mean, I saw studies the other day that said 40% of working parents have said they will quit if their job says you need to come back full time. Really? Like back to the office physically? Come back. We're back in the office, nine to five, whatever your job was before, we're going to just go back to it. 40% of working parents said, "Uh uh-uh, no way. I will quit and find another job because there are companies who are saying, let's rethink the workforce. Mm -hmm. So that's a lot of people. So even that idea with the kids, driving the kids back to school, they were busy before. Do I want to be involved in all these things? Relationships, like you said, commitments that we used to do. I read, I think in the Vox article about some woman who 
she's like, I thought I was happy at my job until I got laid off. And then I was mad. And then I realized I actually hated my job. It was super stressful. I didn't want to be an accountant anymore. And so she's gone to do something brand new. And I think that there's been that situation for many of us this year. It's been a relief not to have to go do XYZ or not to have to be committed to that thing or drive my kids to these things. So we have to now reevaluate what we want back in. So what does that look like? Do you think if we are recognizing, oh, actually, I hadn't thought about it, guys. Thanks. I am feeling some anxiety. (laughs) Or maybe this has been a feeling that has been coming to the surface. What do we do? Okay, so we acknowledge I've got some anxiety around this idea of normal again. Where do we go from there? Yeah. And so what they really say is just asking yourself some questions. And of course, you can extend this to your family or the other people in your life. Just what actually made you happy this last year? What are the activities that you miss that you want to bring back? And what are the ones that you don't? And then be intentional about it, that you don't have to. And I think that's the where the anxiety comes in is that many of us feel like we're going to be asked or expected to continue to do the things that we did pre-pandemic and we don't want to. So then that brings in the anxiety of how do I get out of this? How do I make a change? What kind of stress is that going to put on relationships? But here we are. We are reinventing and this is not a snapback to normal. This is a new normal that we're creating. So you can decide what kind of boundaries you want to have. You know, that 40% of working parents, they're the ones who are saying, I've got a new boundary. I'm not going to work in the office nine to five. I want to have flexibility. I want to be able to drive my kids to school or pick them up or continue writing my report after they go to bed at night so that I can be there to go to their soccer game. We can do that. Yes. I think that's the thing that maybe we can use to help our anxiety is empowerment. So yes. yeah, yes. redesign oh, your life that word. Yeah. if you think mm-hmm. that's necessary. And I think most of us are redesigning our lives. So even just naming that I think is helpful for me. We aren't just going back to normal. Yeah. This is a whole new thing. And you know what I think is so helpful about it is we're actually going to be communally going through this yep. together. And so let's say, for example, when you have a new baby or you move or you lose a loved one, and you individually are having to kind of make some of these decisions, reevaluate, like you said, redesign your life. Sometimes you get a lot of resistance when you're going through that individually because other people have still been living their life, doing their things. But communally, globally, we're all reevaluating. We're all reassessing. We're all doing some redesigning. And so hopefully the fact that we are going through this together will allow us to practice grace, giving it to ourselves the grace that we need to say, I got to step out of this. This was making me miserable. And grace for others. Because you know what, Kelly, the other side of that conversation is probably some of us who are listening right now are going to have people who say, I can't do this thing that I used to do for you, with you, whatever. It doesn't fit into my life anymore. And so it's on us also to have grace in those moments to realize everybody's doing this. And so hopefully that gives us strength. And like you said, empowerment as we walk through this together. So, oh man, that's so good. Okay. Okay. So we've got more tips. We've got more discussion to have. This has been so good. My thoughts are just racing. I cannot wait to hear what the awesomes have to say. And we've got more tips to cover when we come right back. All right, Kelly. So we've processed some feelings together. We've talked about the fact that everybody is feeling some anxiety on some level right now. What else did you want to share with the awesomes as we work through all of this stuff together? Yeah. So not only is everyone anxious, (laughs) we've already touched on this. Everyone is tired. (laughs) So tired. Tired is such a benign word for the deep bone level exhaustion that we Mm. feel. Yes. 
bone level exhaustion hits the nail on the head. Yes. yes. And I'm going to refer to an article that made the rounds. And so I know some awesomes have seen it that was in the New York Times. And it just was so good. It was about languishing. Yes. So many people were linking to this article that came out in April in the New York Times about what is languishing. Guess what? You probably don't know it, but you're probably languishing. (laughs) Exactly. It was a term that was actually coined by a sociologist named Corey Keyes. It's the idea that you're not really depressed but you're not thriving. So here's a quick quote from the article. It just said, languishing is a sense of stagnation and emptiness. It feels as if you're muddling through your days, looking at your life through a foggy windshield. And it might be the dominant emotion of 2021. It is the neglected middle child of mental health. It's Mm -hmm. the void between depression and flourishing, the absence of well-being. You don't have any symptoms of mental illness, but you're not the picture of mental health either. You're not functioning at full capacity. Languishing dulls your motivation, disrupts your ability to focus, and triples the odds that you'll cut back on work. And it seems to be more common than major depression, and in some ways may be a bigger risk factor for mental illness. So I think the reason that this struck such a chord is that we all went, oh, oh, there's a word. There's a word for how we're all, like you said, collectively feeling in some ways. And in fact, I said this on Twitter. It just made me laugh. I was explaining this concept to my 17-year-old son. Was it's languishing. It's you're not doing great. You're not horrible. And he goes, huh, apparently I've been languishing my whole life. (laughs) Uh, I was like, okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Teenage boy. But this is, I think, how so many, especially women, because Mm -hmm. we have taken the brunt of the pandemic are feeling right now. So this is Mm -hmm. a tiredness that a nap can't cure. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yes. Right. Right. I think the reason that article did make the rounds and so many people linked to it and just really engaged with it is because it really struck such a nerve. And as we talk about the toll that the quarantine year has taken on women, there's so much that was shifted. Do We've talked on this show before about invisible labor and what that looks like, what it is. But then to have the added shuffling of life and the responsibilities, the burden, and then the emotional burden of working through this with our kids, our friends, our parents. Let's not forget the fact that for a lot of us, we were so worried about our parents and they weren't worried about themselves. (laughs) We've been carrying so much for so long. You're exactly right. This is the kind of exhaustion that a Sunday afternoon nap isn't going to cure. And that frankly, you don't just rest a little bit and bounce back from Mm -hmm. But the more we acknowledge, okay, there is a word for this. This is a thing that other people are experiencing. Again, that empowerment word, we can find a way to kind of, what do we do to get back to that feeling of, I may not be flourishing yet, but I have hope that I could be. What do you think that would look like? Actually, so this is the funny thing. When I was first reading this article, I got so excited just by having a term that I was like, oh my word, I have to share this with everybody the first half of the article just diagnosing the problem and describing it was so healing in some way that yes. it probably was a couple of days later where I went back and finished reading the article, yeah. like read to the yeah. end. And they actually mm-hmm. do have some really good ideas to cure, to help us deal with this concept of languishing. So the biggest that they said that I thought was just, of course, but yet helpful because it was direct, was the idea that when we are languishing, we are not in the flow. The opposite mm. of languishing would to be in the flow, which is the idea that you are completely absorbed in something. You lose track of yourself. You lose track of time. When you're in the flow, you are storing back up your energy. You are helping to cure that sense of languishing so that you 
can go forth and have a flourishing, thriving sort of life. But this is going to help you. And of course, the reason why this struck me so much is that I think that I'm not alone. I've always had a little bit of a hard time focusing, finding that flow, Mm. just because of personality Mm -hmm. things and because of the way I'm trained to work. Then the pandemic came and it fragmented us into a thousand little pieces. Our attention cannot be fixed. We cannot hold a blessed thought. So many of us, we are doing that. I walk into a room and I can't remember why I'm there. I was just going to say something. What was the word? Our brains are starting and stopping. That's that languishing. They're tired. Our brains are tired. Mm -hmm. So this New York Times article said one way to help heal our fragmentation is to find something that you can be absorbed in. So Hmm. whether it's a book, it's a painting, it's a walk, don't let yourself multitask. Don't let your brain do that thing that it always wants to do. And especially these days, be on high alert, right? Because this is some of that idea of mindfulness, right? It's saying Mm -hmm. there's a part of your brain that has been on high alert, keeping you and your loved ones safe for months without end. And so we need now to say to that part of our brain, thank you. You've been fantastic. I got it from here. Yes. So you can take a break and I'm going to go over here and I'm going to go on a walk and I don't have to bring Twitter with me. I'm going to go do a painting and I am not going to talk to someone else while I'm doing it. I'm going to try to do some meditation and just notice that I have these thoughts, but I'm not going to get wrapped up in the anxiety about how I'm going to go back to work or what happens to school in the fall. We need to find some unitasking in our lives and to start to heal all of that fragmentation and let our brain come back together and be more of a cohesive unit. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is a great time to remind people that you and I have had two long in-depth conversations before about on Sort of Awesome about the differences between self-care and self-comfort. So we're going to put links in the show notes so you can go find those specifically if you're new to Sort of Awesome. Those have been life-changing for me to know, oh, self-comfort isn't exactly the same as self-care, but we do kind of need some of both. And when should we practice each? I think this is a great time to be aware of that, not in a stressful way, not like, in a, oh, no, I'm not doing enough self-care. My self-comfort is out of control this week. But just to be mindful, like you said, to allow your brain to settle into a groove when it's been all over the place for the past year. Exactly. I love that. I'm so glad you brought up self-comfort and self-care because I do think this is the time. I mean, we've said that already. We need self-care to get us through. But I think that if we want to heal and deal with Mm -hmm. the exhaustion of this last year, we really do need to take a hard look and say, what does self-care look like in this stage of Mm -hmm. my life? Where do I need to reset? How can I focus and just do some of that healing so that you can then be able to re-engage with your new life. So yeah, everyone's anxious. Everyone's tired. The last one that I wrote down is that everyone is grieving. Mm, Yes, that is the truth. And it's so important to acknowledge. It is so important. I don't like to acknowledge it. Honestly, as Enneagram 7, this is not very fun. But again, I think important to name what's happening. Not only has there been actual loss of people in our lives, awesomes who have lost loved ones to COVID-19, our communities have been impacted by that. But everyone has lost this last year. There has been a series of small losses. And I think that there was a great article that we can link to in the New York Times that just really went into depth about this idea of the grief of this, that those of us who did not lose a loved one to COVID might be tempted to say, oh, well, I still have my job. My parents didn't die. It's not that bad. And we're doing that thing where we're having the grief Olympics. 
well, I'm not mm-hmm. as bad as them, so I'm probably mm-hmm. fine. I'm luckier than a lot of people. While that might be true, it does not help us to deal with the grief. Yes. So we have to be able to name our loss and acknowledge it and sit with that and say, yeah, that sucked. Even though I didn't lose loved ones still, my high school senior graduated last year and will never get back high school graduation. They will never get back prom. Whatever it was in our lives, you know, maybe you got married. The wedding looked different. There were some awesomes that that had that happen. Trips that were planned, like you just said. Stacey and her trip to New York City, that can't be replaced. So we do have to give ourselves permission to mourn the grief Mm, that isn't always the things that we think of for grief. Small losses are still losses. Thank you for saying that. Small losses are still losses. And this kind of even ties back to what we were just talking about with exhaustion, because one thing that I think a lot of people don't maybe know about grief is that grief itself is can be very exhausting. It kind of acts as an energy drain, yep. just running in the background of your systems. And when you're grieving the loss of a person, the loss of a marriage, something kind of more concrete than a quarantine year, there's a lot of exhaustion that goes along with that to be able to acknowledge, oh, there were these little losses along the way in the past year. And I haven't really taken time to mourn that. Or I've been, like you said, just trying to compare and say, well, this was bad, but it wasn't that bad. Giving ourselves full permission to just grieve even the smallest of losses mm-hmm. so that we can regulate and so that we can start to make space for the energy to come back as we allow that to come to the surface and then we can move forward. Right. We have to name it and grieve it so that we can move forward in a healthy way, Right. So I think this is going to take time because here's the thing is, like we just said, it's a cumulative loss. We lost so many things this year. And so even to look back and from a mountain high perspective and be like, oh, wow, it's a lot of loss to be able to name all of those that we can and which might happen this next year, this next calendar year, as things start to gradually return to something that was a new normal. You will be like, oh, this time last year, I didn't get to do this thing. Or I see now other people are getting to do this thing and I didn't this thing happened, or I was looking forward to that and it didn't happen. We just need to be able to say that sucked. And to sit with it, to name it, to be sad, to talk to our loved ones about it. Mm -hmm. And then that will help us to be able to move on. If we don't do that, if we just were like, well, you know, my grief is nothing compared to other people's. It's not going to help us. It's not going to help you. It's not going to help your family. It's not going to help us as a community, as a collective to move forward. So it does no one any good to be like, well, I don't have a right to grieve. You do have a right to grieve. Your grief is your grief. And so make sure that we own it. So I think there was another article that I read online that we'll also link to that just was talking about mental health. And what I thought that Dr. Anthony Fauci, can we just say the man should be sainted? I believe he (laughs) should be on money someday in the US. (laughs) I adore him so much. He said this, that he is at this point in the pandemic, looking into the next thing that's coming, which is this mental health wave post pandemic. Mm -hmm. He said, I actually am anxious to get the virological aspect of this pandemic behind us, because the long-term ravages of this are so multifaceted and we're going to need our energy to get through this. So we'll link to that one too, because I just think that there's a lot of really good practical tips in there talking about mental health, how it's fared, physical health, and really good tips from psychologists and therapists to how to grieve, how to help your children, how to help your community to do this. I think The biggest thing is that we can't go back and reclaim the things that we've lost, but this is a way forward. Yeah, I agree. 
And just being able to say that we cannot recapture the things that were lost, but there is hope for moving ahead. I mean, that's honestly, that's the grieving process in general, just encapsulated. I also want to point people back to the very first episode that came out on January 1st, 2021. It was sort of awesome when I had my dear friend Jen Hoffman come and talk to us about this very thing. Of course, back in January, we had no idea what the months ahead would bring at that point that she came to talk to us about that the healing process that each of us need to engage with before we can fully come back into the vibrancy of life. And so if you haven't listened to that, or if you just listened in January and haven't listened in a while, I really recommend going back and listening to Jen's words again, because I think now that we are in a place where we can see things look so radically different now than they did in January, so we can see the road ahead a little bit more clearly. I think Jen's words will hit you in a new way, in a more helpful way, that she's very practical about how we can engage with this process of seeking some healing so that we can move ahead stronger and with just really put our feet on the path in a really confident way. So yeah, yeah. we have so many links for the show notes, you guys. All of these articles that Kelly has been referencing will definitely be in the show notes and along with podcast episodes and other resources that we hope that you'll find helpful as you're engaging with this yourself. Yeah. And here's the thing. This is my thought that I would leave the awesomes with is that we're doing this together. Yes. It feels alone because we've been alone. Isolation has been such a marker of this pandemic. But here we are. If you are part of the Sort of Awesome Hangout, if you're part of the Sort of Awesome community on Instagram, this is something that we will be doing together over the next 12, 18. Who knows how long it's going to take us before we really feel like we're back on our feet. So even though it can feel overwhelming and we're tired and we're anxious and we're grieving, we can do this together. And that's one of my favorite things about the pandemic is that those moments that we felt united, Mm. that's a good thing. And there's a good energy there. And we can carry each other with that kind of power that we're doing this together. You're not alone. That's right. Everyone is grieving. Everyone is anxious. Everyone is tired. And we're going to figure out how to make a new normal together Mm -hmm. and learn from each other and cheer each other on. That's the perfect way to end this conversation. Truly, we've said from the outset of this that we're going to go through this together. And so we want to be part of your recovery just as much as we were part of going through it with you in the midst of the past year. So Kelly, thank you. I just feel like I have gone to this amazing seminar and I feel so much better. I feel empowered is the word we keep using, but I genuinely do feel okay. There's so much power in acknowledging and responding to this stuff. So thank you so much for bringing all of these resources for us. This has been amazing. Yeah. If you do want to have follow-up conversation with Kelly on social media to talk about this or anything really, Kelly, where can people find you all around the web? I'm on Twitter all the time because that's where I go for work. So if you really want to find me, come and find me at Kelly Gordon MN on Twitter. That's also where I am on Instagram. And of course, I'm in the Hangout group and in the Superstars group on Facebook. I love to check in with the awesomes there. Love it. Okay. Well, if you want to find me on social media, you can find me at Sorta Awesome Meg. Like I said at the top of the show, we are on Instagram at Sorta Awesome Show. Please come over and join us in the Hangout group if you haven't already. I feel it's more important than ever that we are just banded together. So come over to Facebook and Sorta Awesome Hangout. We'd love to have you join us there. So Awesome, thanks so much for listening. We'll see y'all next time.